you guys doing? I've had a really busy last couple weeks, so I need sleep. What's that? Is that like a Bernanke Lady song? Who needs sleep, but you're never going to get it. Anybody being all fans? No? Just whatever. Uh, I have two things that I want to tell you about. First off, a few weeks ago, well, after Hurricane Harvey came through, I, I told you guys if you wanted to give to an organization that helps churches on the ground, you should give to Samaritan's Purse, uh, because Samaritan's Purse helps like a lot of local churches as they go in to do work in places. And so they're helping out a lot with Hurricane Harvey. Uh, they're helping out uh, in the Gulf Coast, and they're also helping out in Puerto Rico right now. So if you want to, and you're looking for places to give to, if you have something over and above normal giving you want to give, do that. that's a good place to go to. But I also also said that I know some people who live in Texas, and if you wanted to take a trip to actually physically go help yourself, you could do that. We had this guy, his name's Eric, he's been coming for a while, and so he actually took his vacation, bought a plane ticket, and went. So I thought I'd show you a couple pictures. So this is, there he is. That's, that's how we look at him normally. Please wear your mask. And, no. and here's another one. Yay! Here's another one. So they went out, and I mean, and these these are homes in that area, and so he went out to. So I think that's kind of kind of cool. So see, sometimes if you guys say, "Hey, I want to go and do that," we'll hook you up, and you can go and do that. I know he also uh, he was stayed with uh, Jonathan Whitaker's uh, parents, and they did uh, nightly devotionals with each other and stuff like that. So it was kind of cool. So yay! Okay, well, all right. No, no, not me. I'm just saying it's we we try and hook you guys up when you want to do something like that. Uh, yay! Go you guys. Give them your time and effort and energy. The other thing I want to tell you about is the city of Santa Maria today is, is going to be right outside these doors over here. And, and what they're doing is uh, they're trying to redo this downtown project that they have. And so what they do is they're going to different places, and they like your input. So if you're ever like, I don't like these traffic lights, that's not what you'd tell them about, okay? What they, what they want to do, you probably could because I feel like I don't do that half the time. But uh, you go out and, and talk to them about uh, the downtown project. They may ask, ask you some questions. They're going to want to get your input a little bit so that they uh, can have an idea of what people in the community are actually looking for. And so if you'd be so inclined, you can head out those doors after service and talk to them as well and just kind of, you know, don't give them a piece of your mind, but give them your two cents about, you know, what you think about downtown Santa Maria and, and let them know. And be honest. Uh, th- this isn't a place to be like, oh, yeah, I love downtown. It, it could be like, you know, I don't feel safe. Or, hey, because somebody said that to me after last service, and I go, well, go tell them. Don't tell me. It's like I can't do anything about it. <laughs> so I'll follow you around with my, with my like, baseball bat. It, and then that still probably wouldn't intimidate anybody at all. So <laughs> let them know. They want to know. Talk to them how you feel about things and, and get some of your ideas. All right? Sound good? All right. So if you're new to Element, welcome. Uh, there are Bibles in the back. If you don't own one, you can have one. If you forgot one, you can use one. There are sermon notes on all the communion tables throughout the room. They look like this. On the inside, you'll get some notes that go deeper into what we're talking about, as well as some questions to go deeper into what we're talking about. If you have a smartphone, you can download an app. It is called Uversion. Uh, click on More and then Events, and Uversion will come up by GPS in your smartphone. You'll get sermon notes, verses, questions, announcements, and all that goes with today's message. My name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here. Why don't you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? This is Ruth chapter 2, verse 20, and it says, And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Let's pray. Father, this morning I ask that you would teach us as your people to learn how to live in this life in a way that reflects who you are, that we would understand your great love and compassion and mercy that has been bestowed upon us, and we as a people would live in a way that brings you great glory as we live in the great joy that you provide. Uh, Teach us as we speak and live and do all the things that we do to have you in mind in the midst of all of it. Amen. Have a seat. 
So we are going through the Old Testament book of Ruth. This is week seven. We are doing this in an effort to see God's overarching story over everyone, that our lives only make sense in the light of his story. So we're looking at Ruth. Ruth is a Moabite girl in a foreign country taking care of her destitute mother-in-law because Ruth is growing into a woman of great character and character matters. And we have talked about that over the last couple of weeks. But today, men, I'm going to do something as well. I'm going to give you some man tips. You're welcome. Uh, this will be, if you are married, hopefully a way to, to love your spouse a little bit better. If you're not married, you're looking for a woman, this will be a way to maybe attract one in a masculine, non-chauvinistic way. Uh, not really a tall order for me. No, it's a really tall order for me. Uh, but I think it all starts with the idea of friendship. Uh, friendship is one of the most powerful things on earth. As great as Ruth and Boaz's eventual marriage will be in the text, the essence of what makes a marriage good is this idea of friendship. What makes everything good in a marriage is going to start and end and stem from this thing called friendship. Friendship is something that starts with honesty with one another, dealing with situations exactly as they are, not having conversations in our heads, and thinking this is how they're going to go, but actually having those conversations and dealing with them as they actually are. Not making up stories, but actually doing things as they actually are. Now, Ruth, at the time this takes place, for and all countries for this matter at this time, are extremely patriarchal. And uh, our culture today stands up in arms and says, oh, how dare they, that, that's horrible, women are just like men. And my response to that is always, I really hope not, because... <laughs> Because I like my wife, and I don't want her to be like me. Uh, I, I do believe women can do almost any job a man, a man can do. But, you know, in this, in this time where Ruth is living, that is not the case. That's not how their society worked. So you'll see Ruth and Boaz start to navigate and how they function in this. And there are some very timeless truths here. And it starts back really with Naomi and Ruth in chapter 1. In the middle of chapter 1, I told you this before, Ruth does a very politically incorrect thing. Thing. This is something that people in our culture would be like, how dare this happen? It kind of shocks us if we really look at it through our lens. After her husband dies, Naomi tries to send Ruth back to her family. Go back to your family and their gods. And Ruth's response is essentially, I don't want my gods. They're not real. I want your God because he is the true and the real and the living God. And Ruth just doesn't use the generic word for God. She says, may the Lord deal with me. She actually uses God's covenant name, Yahweh, the name that God gave his people. So she takes that name on herself. And in the text, we believe that this is the conversion of Ruth into a follower of the God of Israel. Because if, if she had taken this name upon herself before this, there's no way that Naomi would have tried to send her back to her family. So she takes this name upon herself, and now Naomi is going to make sure that Ruth stays with her. Uh, the God of Israel said, I am the God of all people, of all cultures. I made everyone and everything, and you must worship me exclusively. Naomi knows that, and her relationship with Ruth kind of brings about this conversion. One of the reasons people don't like evangelism or the word proselytizing or talking about Jesus is because the stigma that's attached to it. A lot of religious people are mean and they are rude and all they want to do is argue. What, what converts Ruth? I mean, obviously God's spirit, but what converts her as well? It's this friendship. Friendship is what kind of leads to Ruth's salvation. Naomi's sacrificial love for Ruth lived out on display. When Ruth actually gets into Israel and meets this guy named Boaz, Boaz is someone else who loves God, and he treats Ruth the same way. He sacrificially loves and gives to her. I think one of the reasons that Ruth begins to live this life of character reflecting who God is is that she was loved in a certain way. And she began to then live that out. She saw God's sacrificial love for her and how his people began to love her. 
This is kind of an amazing thing. The two people that are closest to her in her life love God in a way that serves. And that's what I, I think, man, if Christians could just live that way today. Think of what the world would actually think about Christianity if we loved and served and offered grace the way that God does to us. And we did that in our workplaces and our relationships and our families and our neighborhoods. What if people saw that, like Naomi and, and Boaz and we kind of live that way? That'd be amazing, right? Yeah, I think, I think it really would. And so Ruth says to Naomi, the reason I want to believe in a God that makes all these exclusive claims is the incredibly non-exclusive love that he has brought about in your heart towards me. She was never loved like Naomi loved her. And Christianity, it's meant to preach and love a God who is the most exclusive. God makes exclusive claims. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know what no one literally translates as? No one. Yes, exactly. Not that hard, right? There you go. You're all scholars. But, but that's the exclusivity that's there. And with that exclusivity, is that's the problem that a lot of people have with Christianity. Yet Christians are supposed to be these people who have this non-exclusive love in our hearts that love the way God loved us. God calls us to worship Him and He sends us out. Too many Christians, I think, get the exclusiveness of God part down, but not the non-exclusive love part down. How we're supposed to love and give and serve and offer grace. In reality, it's like I told you, there is nothing wrong with saying my view of God is truer than your view of God because every religion does that. Even atheists do that with the things that they say. I mean, if someone says, I don't think anyone should convert other people. Everyone should stop trying to convert people. By saying that, they are saying that their view of God is more valuable than your view of God, and your view of God is too narrow for them. If anyone ever says, don't say your view of God is better than someone else's, you can point out when they use a word like don't, they are doing the exact same thing they're telling you not to do. See how it works? Everybody has a view of God. Everybody is basing their life upon that view of God. If you're an atheist, you're basing that view of your life upon yourself and your three-pound brain in your head, but you're basing your life on your view of what God is. As Christians, we believe the entire world would be better if we all loved and served and worshipped Jesus as he calls us to. There's nothing wrong with that. What's wrong is how we treat people who are different than us and how we cease to love them as God called us to love them. Ruth has no qualms with the exclusivity of what God talks about. But what brought her to faith and trust in him, obviously, is the Holy Spirit, but how they live this out on display in front of her. That's what changes Ruth's life. She was a subject of courageous and sacrificial love over and over and over. And if you want to know how to build a friendship that maybe leads to something more, there's a few things in there. You see these components in Ruth. First off, you have to make time. Ruth will now turn around and say, where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. That's time. She also has this commitment. She says, nothing but death will part me from you. So you have time plus commitment plus that unconditional sacrificial love that enables people to see who God is, even a God who makes the most exclusive claims possible. So open your Bibles to Ruth chapter 2. As I said, what I'm going to do is take you through the rest of chapter 2, then go through showing what living and loving, following God properly can look like, uh, not just in how we live and love Jesus, but men again show you how to get a woman if you don't have one, love one properly if you're married, and also love others in such a way that God is lifted up and honored in all that we do. Uh, Ruth and Naomi are back in this place called Bethlehem. Ruth has gone out to work to try and get some food for her and her mother-in-law. She ends up in a field of this guy named Boaz. After Boaz 
finds out who she is. He goes to speak to her. Then Ruth 2.14, that's where we left off last week. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So she goes back out to work again, and he says, Hey, take some of the stuff you guys have already picked up, and lay it out there. So she can be like, Oh, look, oh, look. And she gets all kinds of extra. He's looking out for her. Verse 17. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And commentators have some disagreement on how much this is, but essentially it's between 30 and 50 pounds. And so essentially she'll make in one day what most people made in four to five weeks. Verse 18. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsake the living or the dead. This is hope beginning to return to Naomi right here. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my, good, my daughter, that you go out with, with his young women, lest in another field you, may, field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Now, again, what you don't see in the text is this idea of all this hope beginning to return to Naomi. There's a future that's possible she never even thought about, and it's all because of this guy named Boaz. So, again, we're going to walk through chapter 2 together and see how I can help you guys out a bit because some of you need some help. Okay? Boy, you're going to be a tough crowd, aren't you? Okay. Give you some man tips because I think all of us need the reminder. So, number one, when you first meet Boaz, chapter 2, verse 1, calls him a worthy man. A worthy man. The text is telling you about his character. That's the first thing. It's character. There are two words that are used together here. The words hael and the word gibber. Gibber is the word for man. When these two words are used together in the Bible, it's always in a military context. So, this is speaking of a war hero. So, Boaz is more than a wealthy farmer. He's someone who does the right thing when the right thing needs to be done. That's Boaz. Boaz, as I said, lives in the time of Judges when all these men are doing whatever feels right in their own eyes. But Boaz is a guy who goes out and he serves others and he loves others and offers grace and does the right thing even when the right thing isn't convenient. Boaz, when he needed to be, he was a man of war. Not for slaughter, not for slaughter, but for protection. He's a man of worth. He's a man of wherewithal, which means if something needed to get done, Boaz is the guy you would go to and ask him to get it done because he'd get it done. He is like the World Wide Web before the WWW. How do I do this? Go ask Boaz. Boaz will know. Yes, Boaz will know because Boaz is the guy guy who gets things done. He's a bit older, but he is strong and courageous. He's got a good job, and he's single. We do not know why Boaz is single. Maybe he was a widower. Maybe he has a growth on the side of his head that looks like the Virgin Mary on a piece of toast. We don't know, okay? But Boaz, he's single. Now you look at Ruth. Ruth is out working hard to provide for her and her mother-in-law by gleaning in the field. That just so happens to be Boaz's. Chapter 2, verse 3, it says, And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. Do you know that nowhere in the Bible is language like that used except right there? 
And the author is trying to be funny. He's not saying, oh, by luck or chance or coincidence, she just so happened to be there. He's making a joke and saying, yeah, yeah it just so happens that it was Boaz. It's that God is bringing providence. God is working these things together. This is why she is there. Ruth is working hard. In our words of our vernacular today, she's out collecting aluminum cans to take down to get some money so she can afford the hotel room for her and her mother-in-law that night and stopping at the Salvation Army with food on the way home to feed her mother-in-law. That's what's going on. She's not looking for a handout. Number two, Boaz shows up to his field, to his reapers, chapter 2, verse 4, and he says, the Lord be with you. So Boaz is not a guy who's afraid to say how his life is found in the joy of who God is. His life is found in God. He's not afraid of showing that he loves God. How about your workplace? Are you more inclined to think that your boss has a relationship with God or the devil? Right, exactly, right? You know, how do his employees respond? Hardworking, blue-collar guys, out in the field, working hard. How do they respond? The Lord bless you. That comes from number 624. It's a priestly blessing that comes back. Boaz, he's a good guy who quotes scripture, shares his faith, loves God. How, How do you live at work? Do you live like that at work? Are you like, I mean, not that you walk in and go, bless you in the name of the Lord. They'd be like, you are a weirdo. But I mean, do you, do you live out in such a way that people begin to see who God is because of, of what you're doing? When is the last time you walked into work and said, praise be to God for what a wonderful place to work? Or your boss walked in and said that? Probably never. Number three, now chapter two, verse five, Boaz looks out and notices Ruth. He notices her. He says, whose young woman is this? He's got employees, but he notices a new one that's different. Guys, women like guys who notice. My wife got a haircut last Thursday. It's probably the first time I've noticed, but I noticed. I'm like, hey, haircut. Right? I'm not always good at it, but, but it happens. Now, how does Ruth look here? Bad. Okay, bad. She's covered in dirt and sweat. Her armpits are probably growing, all the stuff you don't want to grow. Her hair is pulled back in a ponytail, working hard all day in the field. But what does Boaz notice? He notices her character. He noticed she's working hard and well. She notices the young Moabite woman taking care of her mother-in-law. She's worked hard all day long. Number four, Boaz goes after the woman that is right in front of him. Right in front of him. Too many guys, they make lists. Oh, my perfect woman is going to look like this and this and this. That's what it's got to look like. Guys, if that woman exists, she is not looking for you. (laughs) That's how it works. A lot of guys, a lot of guys complain, I can't find a good woman. Look around. Who's in your church? Who's in your gospel community? Who's at your workplace? Who's in your circle of friends? God put Ruth right in front of Boaz. And he's not a weirdo about it. He doesn't expect anything. But what he does do is he has a conversation. So that's a good one for you. If you you want a woman, man, you got to talk to them. Not like a stalker, right? But you got to talk to them. It's kind of funny how that works. you got to use your words. But look what happens before he talks to her, right? Before he talks to her, he loves Jesus more than himself, and he has a job. He has it. That's a good one. You should write that down right there. Ladies, when a guy asks you out on a date, your first questions are two things. Number one, do you love Jesus and do you have a job? Those are the questions you ask. And unless he's going to be a doctor, being in college for 10 years is not a job. That's a lifestyle. Okay? Oh, it just gets worse. Okay? On my soapbox. Now, if they say yes to both of those things, ask him what kind of job, because you don't want to be one of those people who's like, the minimum wage has to increase so I can take my girlfriend out on a date. You don't want that guy, okay? You want a guy with the real job, okay? So your steps as a guy, love Jesus, have a job, then talk to her, all right? If, if you don't get those things in order, you've got other things to deal with at this point. Many single guys always working on their pickup lines. Here's one, ready? I have a job! <laughs> it's a good line. It's a good line. 
Many women will find that attractive. She should not hear, my mom has a job and gives me gas money and I live with her. That's not a good pickup line, okay? <laughs> Number five, Boaz provides friendship and community. Ruth doesn't know anybody there. And in chapter 2, verse 8, he says, Listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. These are the people who love God, and they will love you, so stay close. He invites her in to community and friendship. Number six, Boaz protects her. He protects her when she sees it and when she doesn't see it. I know there's some ladies there like, I don't need a man to protect me. Guys, you still watch out for them because there are some crazy weirdos out there. A lot of women appreciate being loved and cared for in this way. Not, I'm going to keep you in a cage kind of way or something like that, but I love you, and I will die for you the way that Jesus died for me. In verse 9, Boaz pulls his young guys aside, and he says, see that Moabite? And they're like, yeah, woohoo! we see the Moabite. Hubba, hubba, woo, look at the girl. And he goes, you touch her, and I will bury you. That's a good man right there. That's a good man. He even says when she is thirsty and goes over there, you go and pull water out and you give her the water. He tells them what to do. And he does it not because he expects anything from her. It's because of who he is. I think Driscoll once said, we are not for chauvinism, we are for chivalry. We are equal image bearers of God, but men and women are different, and that is okay. Number seven, uh, this goes back kind of number three, but when Boaz notices her character, he tells her it is beautiful. So he notices and tells. He tells her. goes to verse 11. He tells her he respects and admires, admires her. He encourages her to continue to live out loving and following God. He praises her faith, her risk in coming to this place called Israel and taking care of her mother-in-law. He notices and he tells her. He notices and he tells her. Guys, there's a tip. Notice and tell. Like, oh, honey, you make the best cookies in the world. Right? No? Okay. How about this? How about this? Uh, my wife right now, she is painting these, these doors in our garage to go in the bathroom stalls at the place we're moving into. And, and she's got this idea of how they're supposed to look and what they're supposed to do. And I'm the guy who, I got no patience and I always want to help. I'm like, oh, I'll go take care of it. She's like, you're going to mess it up. And I'm like, no. And so if you go over there and they look bad, it's my fault. But if you go in there and look at it and they look great because she's like fixing all my bad work, they look great, then, it, then it's her. It's, it's all her. She's like, no, you got to brush it like this. And I'm like, I'm going to get the roller. She's like, don't use the roller. Use the, I'm like, so this goes into my next one, okay? Number eight, Boaz honors her publicly. He honors her publicly. And sometimes my wife is like, stop talking about me in front of people. I'm like, but who, do I, who else am I going to talk about besides Jesus? I'm talking about you, you know? I, I, I love her. I like her. I think, I think she's great. The things he says are out in the field in front of people. It's not hidden. It's not quiet. It's not just in the back of his head. He says it out loud. He speaks good of her in front of other people. Gentlemen, I'll tell you, women like to know that you have their back. They like to know that. You're not out with your buddy saying mean things after you have a fight like, oh, she's a crazy witch. I don't know what's wrong with her. And all of your buddies get on, you know, with, oh, yeah, she's a whore. But I, I'm not saying you can't talk to like one or two close friends who know you and love you enough to be like, well, what'd you do? Because we know you're an idiot. You know, you talk, you can maybe talk to those people, right? But not just your buddies are going to be, not like your Facebook friends with whatever stupid thing you post. Like, yeah, go. It's like, what is wrong with people sometimes? I don't know. I, you should love a woman, and it should be on your lips and on your heart at all times. Number nine, Boaz prays for her. And we know this is not the first person Boaz has ever prayed for because this is his lifestyle. It stems out of what he deems important. Boaz is showing Ruth what Jesus is like. 
Ruth 2.12, he prays, The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. The book of Ruth is full of prayers, usually for other people, and every prayer by the end of the book will be answered in one way or another. And what you see is for Boaz, his prayer is actually going to be answered by Boaz. He will pray that God gives her food and refuge and friends and love and a husband and children. And he is the one that God will use to do all of those things. God answers prayer, but a lot of times he will use us to do that. Sometimes when you pray, God will do extraordinary things. And sometimes God will say, but that's why you're there. That's why I put you there. So when you pray, God, love my kids. God's going to be like, that's why you're there. God, teach my kids about who you are. That's why you are there. God, draw my friends to you. That's why you're there. Okay, that's why. You get to be part of the answer to some of the prayers that you pray. Number 10, Boaz comforts her. She says this to him in verse 13. She says, you have comforted me. So Boaz, he's not a thug. He is not abusive. He doesn't feel the right to boss her around because he gave her food. He is a strong leader. He's a defender. He's a provider. But he is also a tender guy. Number 11, Boaz offers grace. He offers grace. The law says you let people come and glean in your field, but Boaz goes a step beyond that to make sure she has more than enough. Boaz teaches us the gospel that we are like Ruth. We are a people who come to God empty-handed, and yet God gives us grace. Charles Spurgeon, in commenting about Ruth, he says that Jesus is our glorious Boaz is how you look around and see those around you and how you treat them. Is that how Boaz treated Ruth or how Jesus treated his people? See, Ruth finds favor in the eyes of Boaz like we as a people, we find favor in the eyes of God. We call this grace. Uh, Number 12, Boaz feeds her. Guys, that's a good one too. I gave you notes. Just that's a good. Write that down. Take her out to dinner at a nice restaurant. uh, Something she can choose that that she likes. If she can't make a decision, take her someplace nice. I like it because my wife also likes other things like Charlie's in Los Alamos, which is it's inexpensive and they got good burgers and yeah, it's great. Anytime, right? But you also got to take her out to a nice place sometimes. And don't go Dutch. That's like of the devil. You go Jesus, right? You go Jesus. (laughs) If you're a dude and you take her out, you pay for it. Someone was telling me that their first date with some guy that they they got in the, they split the bill with. I'm like, you should have just walked right out of there when that happened. I mean, seriously, because then he's got to pay for it when you. That's what you should do. It'd be funny, but also serve him right. Guys should take care of it. Guys, when you when you ask a man date, pick her up with a car. You don't live in New York, right? You don't live in New York, so don't use a bus pass or a bicycle. Verse 14, he says, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. That means he's inviting her in, invites her over. So when you do that and you invite somebody out, clean up a little bit. Make sure you have two eyebrows and not one. Make sure you use some deodorant. Make sure you put some product in your hair. Make her feel like you went through some effort. Put on some shoes and not just sandals. (sighs) Okay. (laughs) You're like, where's this guy? I need this guy, right? Okay. Number 13, I got 15, okay, so number 13. (laughs) Boaz serves Ruth, Boaz serves Ruth. And this this goes to what I said about honoring her. He makes her, who probably feels like an outsider, he makes her an insider. He has her sit with the reapers and he passes her the roasted grain. He serves her like Jesus took the posture of a servant. Boaz serves Ruth. Gentlemen, you want to honor a woman, then you serve them. Not just when it's convenient, but all the time. In this culture, women, and especially Moabite women, should have served the men. But no, Boaz says, 
you're a lady, I'm a gentleman, I am going to serve you. Man, you serve people around you like God has first loved and served you. And in so doing, when the woman comes along that you're meant to marry, you will have already started to serve them because you treat everybody the exact same way. This is how we are meant to live. Uh, Number 14, Boaz treats Ruth with respect, and in turn he will treat Naomi, her mother-in-law, with respect. And guys, this means if you're trying to impress a lady, you should also try to impress her mother, because if you don't get the mother too, your life will suck. Okay? So... Just right there. At verse 14, and she ate until she was satisfied and she had some leftover. The leftover was for Naomi. This isn't like a doggy bag. She nibbled on the bone and gave her mother-in-law the bone. This is the whole idea that she made an extra meal for her. And she goes home and takes it to Naomi. And they have this conversation that takes place in the rest of chapter 2. Naomi is impressed with Boaz. Like, if you show up with flowers for a lady and she lives with her mom, then bring some flowers for her mom, too. Her mom will probably actually like that. Ask the girl that, that you're dating, uh, how can I pray for your mom? Let your mom know I'm praying for her. If you guys go out for a meal, you know, say, say hey, what, what kind of dessert does your mom like? And then at the end of the meal, buy that, put it in a box, and have her take it home and give it to her mom. Her mom will love you. <laughs> if, you if you're older and you have an older daughter who's starting to date, make sure you tell that daughter what your favorite dessert is. Hey, it just might work, right? Right? Now, what you see is after all this takes place, Ruth will now go back out to start working in the field again. She will go out to start working. She accepts Boaz's kindness, but he, she doesn't take it for granted. She goes back to work, and, she, and Boaz goes out to also work as well. And when Boaz goes out to work in the field, he will tell his young men what to do. That's very important because young men usually don't know what to do. So this goes to my number 15. It's my last one. Boaz invests in those around him. Boaz invests in those around him. 40% of young men today don't have a dad. A lot of young guys don't know how to do anything. This is why when we work on building and working through the property we're moving to, got a lot of work from high schoolers and college kids who have time have no idea what they're doing. Working should be good for them. When I work with a young dude, I always try to explain how certain things work because I always got projects at my house and stuff. And so I said things like, do you know how to do this? Do you know why we do that? And, and, and things like that. They always say no because they don't know how to do anything at all because nobody teaches kids now anything today. And so I try to explain. Uh, this is a shovel. The pointy end goes down. <laughs> You'd be surprised, right? Uh, this is how you dig a trench. This is how you dig a trench straight. This is, this is how you put irrigation in, and even if it's illegal to water in California sometimes, this is how you put it in. This is how you wire an electrical switch. I was working with this kid uh, on Thursday this week, and he's got this uh, wheelbarrow full of stuff, and he's going trying to go up this curb. He's all... Uh, 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 I think it's broken. And I'm like, no, here. And I pick it up, and I go like this. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Right? I will follow him the rest of his life because, because now he knows. Now he knows. And he can teach some other knucklehead how to go up a curve with a wheelbarrow because it's amazing how, how, how that works. And so, and so Boaz, he tells these young guys, he says, he says, be nice to her. Don't touch her. Don't yell at her. If you make her cry, I'm going to make you cry. It's, it's kind of cool. Verse 15, he says, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. And he then has them put extra aside for her. So when she is done working, she has extra to take home. Now, Ruth will work hard, take her stuff home, go to see Naomi. They will have this conversation where Naomi says, stick with that guy. Verse 20, and Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. And that is also a prayer in the text. 
And guys, I know, uh, for a lot of us, it's, it's hard to live as Boaz, especially if you haven't been doing it. And you're probably not going to turn that corner overnight. But that's why I put it in the sermon notes list so you can take it home and look at it and begin to understand some of the things I think Jesus does for us and that we can begin to live that out. We can reflect who Jesus is and honor that in our lives because God has first loved us in these same ways. And I know it probably feels like I talk to a lot of single guys today, but I think all the things I say can work for married guys. Uh, I think our life should reflect Boaz. Uh, if you are married or have a woman in your life, be a Boaz to her. Love her and serve her and honor her because in so doing, you're honoring Jesus. And so men, uh, this is for you on the way home today. Uh, if you drove here with your wife, and if not, maybe after you get home, uh, I would like to ask you to ask her this question. If you are dating uh, I'd like to ask the person you're dating this question. If you're not dating, then maybe ask your friends this question. Have them be honest. Ask this. Is there anything I can do to make myself more attractive? And if you're married, say, to you, to you. My wife's answer is always, gain a little bit of weight. Okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and listen. And listen to what they say. You know, should I keep one eyebrow or should I go for two? Uh, do, you, do, you, do you like the keg or should I go for a six-pack? Uh, do you like the Sasquatch look, or should I shave down? You know, all, all these questions. You've got to understand that most of the problems in a marriage are not solved in the bedroom. They are solved outside of the bedroom. And if you're a harsh, lazy, can't-keep-a-job, drunkard, gambler, boat, motorcycle, golf husband that's always pursuing your hobbies and not your wife, well, then you are a selfish husband. A lot of women don't care how much money their men make. What they want to be able to do is respect you. And that's what they want. She wants to be proud of you and say, that's my husband. Aren't you all jealous? He's a great guy. He loves Jesus. He loves me. He loves the kids. And I love him. And a lot of women who struggle to be attracted to their men, it's usually related to character. So my next question is, on the way home, ask your wife or your girlfriend or your friends, if you don't have one of those, is there anything in my character, and then if, it's, if you're married, that you find unattractive? And don't argue about it. Don't argue about it. Just listen. They're trying to help. A woman's made in the scripture to be your helper. Let her help. Receive it and change. And your wife will find the humility in that, I think, very attractive. And you will see the beginning of a new character in your life. And I am kind of long today, and I, that's why I cut one of the songs after the message today. But I want to bring this to a close. Uh, let you know next week I am going to talk about woman tips. We'll see how that goes. That's either going to be very, it's going to be very exciting or a train wreck. Either way, you should come because it's, cause it, cause it's going to be entertaining. Okay, so, but, but let's go back. Let's go back to the change that Jesus makes in us, calling us to reflect him, uh, not just to our families, but to the entire world. So let me ask you a couple questions. Do you pray for those around you? Do you pray for those around you? You know, Boaz says, God give Ruth food, and yet he is the one who will give Ruth food food. God, give her a husband. He will be the one that becomes that husband. I know I just gave the book away, but whatever. Uh, And God, give her a baby, and he will be the father of that baby. We must see that God has saved us and loved us and sent into the world to be his hands and feet. We provide. It's why God allows us to make income. Yes, we give to Element as our church, but we also look to other ways to give away. Element has, we take 10% of everything you guys give to us and actually set it aside for world relief and church planting and and helping out people in other areas. We, We do that because we believe it's important. And, I mean, we, we don't just pray God send canned food from heaven because if he did, someone's going to get smacked on the head with a metal can and die. We don't, that's why God sends us. He sends us to go out and to give. 
God says, this is why I sent you. This is why, this is why I helped provide for you. God says this to provide. We don't, we don't pray, God sends someone to hug my family. God says, that's why you're there. You hug your family. You love on your wife. And this is exactly how Jesus shows us the gospel. Because on the cross, Jesus prays, Luke 23, 34, Father, forgive them. And then Jesus dies to bring about that forgiveness. This is the beauty of the gospel. Boaz prays for Ruth, ends up answering that prayer. I think part of our question for God needs to be, what places do you want me to be the answers to the prayers that I pray? Because we do need to pray for people, but we need to see how God can use us as well. And if I got one overarching tip for you, it would be this. Ephesians 5.1, be imitators of God as beloved children. Live a life of love. Because when we love and live as God has loved and lived in our life, we become more like him in all that we do. If you look at all the characteristics of who Boaz is, this is how Jesus loves us. He respects us and he honors us and he, and he speaks good over us. The scripture says that God will even sing over us. God is worthy and God goes out of his way to love and bring us back into relationship again. God provides for us. God is good. And these are all the things that we remember. And so when we understand how God first did these things in our life, we begin to live that out in a way that honors him. This is why we go to communion every week. It reminds us of his grace and his mercy and how God provided for us. It's why you break a cracker and you dip it in the wine of the grape juice or you grab a cracker that's already broken because I know some of you are really neurotic and won't touch something somebody else has touched. Wash your hands first. I don't know. But you can break a cracker, take a broken one already, dip it in the wine of the grape juice. It's supposed to remind us of what Jesus has done to rescue us. And Jesus has done everything to rescue us. And so we do that in remembrance of who he is and what he has done. So we get up and we begin to live out the life that he has called us to day by day by day because of his goodness. Uh, the band's going to come up. As they do, we invite you to take communion. There'll be some deacons and elders in the back. And if you guys need prayer, uh, maybe you're in a place today where you see what God is doing or maybe you don't see what God is doing and you want to see it more so you begin to live that out. Uh, maybe you want to understand more of being this, being like a Boaz to people around you. Maybe you're a dude who's maybe starting to date somebody and you want to begin to love them in a good way or maybe you just want to date somebody at some point and you want someone to pray with you. They would love to pray with you. They really would. Uh, there's offering boxes on the side of on the back, and we give because God gave so much to us. Giving is simply part of our worship. We don't pass a plate. We want it to be a response to what God is doing in our hearts and in our lives. Uh, there's food in the back. Grab something to eat. Maybe meet some other people. Uh, and if you don't have someone close in your life, maybe you can meet someone today and start, not like, hey, let's date. I'm eating in the back over cookies. But, but maybe, maybe meet some people today. <laughs> or it could happen. We actually had a couple meet and get married at one of our newcomer parties. So, ah, it's kind of cool. Uh, anyway, uh, grab some to eat and maybe, you know, meet some people and start to talk to some of these questions. Ask somebody else, you know, what, what in my character do you think could change and grow? You know, what, what, what about me do you find attractive? You're like, oh, you got a booger in your nose right now. Okay, I'll fix that. You know, I, I, whatever it is, I don't know, right? But you can have these conversations. You can start to talk to one another and reach into one another's life because this is what God calls us to do, to be a people that come alongside one another. God saves us as we are, but the gospel puts us into relationships with each other. And so we want to be those who do that and begin to live out like Boaz, like Jesus to everyone around us because our great and good God is simply that awesome. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I ask that you would grow us as a people into those who reflect and honor who you are, that we would understand the goodness and the grace that you have bestowed upon us, that we would see all the ways that you have come to rescue and save that you have provided, that you have given, that you call us into community and life, that you teach us as a people how to live out 
our lives because, quite frankly, so often we have no clue. And yet your spirit comes and leads and guides us. And so today, I ask that we would be those who fully trust you and honor you and begin to live out the great blessings that you have first given to us. That we would be your hands and feet in this world. That even as we pray pray the prayers that we pray, that we would be asking for ways that you could use us to be those who bring answers to those very same prayers. Father, we ask that the world would see who you are through how we as a people love and serve and offer grace to those around us. We ask that worshiping you and following you would not just be something we do for a couple hours on a Sunday morning in an old car dealership, but it would be something where it becomes so imperative for us to live it out in our lives every day outside of these walls, that we would come to see worship of you more outside this place than what takes place inside, and that you and all things would be lifted up and the the people in this world would know who you are because of how your people begin to live. So teach us to love and honor and glorify you in all things. We ask this in your son's good name. Amen.